podcast is about what should a customer expect from a domestic cleaner? And I'm Diane and this is Louise and we are both directors of the DCBM, the Domestic Cleaning Business Network. We are both cleaning business owners as well, running large teams for 25 odd years between us. So quite a lot of experience. Um, And our role um, as the DCBM is to support cleaning business owners to build sustainable businesses, but also making sure that they're all trained, safe and insured um, in order to deliver deliver a great service to their customers. Today's podcast is a little bit different to our usual podcast because normally we aim um, our podcast at providing business support, talking through common issues within the cleaning industry, but really we aim at supporting cleaning business owners or individual cleaners looking to move into running their own business. But today we really wanted to address some common issues that customers face. So this time today we're talking to the customers of domestic cleaners and we're going to hopefully represent the cleaning industry and explain why some of these issues occur and what can be done about them. We're usually quite relaxed, quite chatty about this, aren't we, Diane? Um, So I really want to start with, there is, if we talk about a, a production line, we talk about a machine, okay? If you were producing something with a machine, a margin of error would be built in. And I guess what we want to understand here is cleaners are not machines. We are people. And one of the biggest questions from a customer is, well, what should I expect from a cleaner? You know, why are they missing things? Why are they getting it wrong? And I guess the question comes down to what is the margin of error? What is it acceptable for a cleaner to miss? And what is it that actually the customer's being a little bit unrealistic here? Um, I'm going to put this to you, Diane. You know, what's reasonable to expect? Yeah, and, and I often have this conversation with, with customers um, is, you know, we're not robots, we're human beings, so we might miss something. Um, we Obviously, we ask for feedback for the customer to work with us to, to try and improve things. But we've also got to think about it, you know, that the, the client has to understand what they can expect. And I suppose it kind of depends what you've booked. You know, have you booked a regular maintenance clean or have you booked a deep clean or have you booked both? You know, so it kind of, yeah, what is acceptable margin of error? kind of really depends on the expectations you set out right at the beginning. And this is the next question. So um, if you were going to do a clean for the first time, you would probably ask for a bit of extra time, wouldn't you? You'd say, right, first clean is a deep clean. And quite often, to give an example, if I was going to do an end of tenancy clean on a two bedroom house, I'd be asking for somewhere in the region of eight hours. If it was in decent condition, eight hours. And for that eight hours, I would do every skirting board, the front of every cupboard, I would do every surface. And this is empty of all personal possessions. Yet for a maintenance clean, we get two hours every two weeks. That's quite common, right? Two hours a week, two hours every two weeks. Makes no difference because you have to clean the surface whether it's clean or dirty. So what is the major difference then between two hours every week or two weeks and this eight hour clean? What would you expect as the difference for that? Because it's quite a big financial difference. It is. It's, It's a huge financial difference. But also from the cleaner's point of view, it's, you know, it's a maintenance clean when it's two hours fortnightly. So if it's not already 
ready for a maintenance clean, you have to have extra time to at least bring it to a standard so you can keep on top of it. Otherwise, you'll never get on top of it. You're just constantly being either trying to do too much and just doing it badly or only being able to do certain rooms. So it's, yeah, a, a top up clean to start with is almost essential. But the reality is the customer is not going to want eight hours every week. So where's the difference between two hours and eight hours in what we can achieve? And I'm going to give some quite specific examples to this. So kitchen cupboard fronts. This is always a big one. There's a lot of high gloss at the moment. But anyway, um, kitchen cupboard fronts on a deep clean. This could comfortably take us half an hour to get kitchen cupboard fronts. And I would be expecting to be sat on the floor, scrubbing each cupboard, wiping it all down. And on a first time clean, which I would normally call a deeper clean, I would do exactly the same. I would expect to be sat there getting them all perfect. On a maintenance clean, I would be doing a wipe around the handle and I would be looking quickly at those cupboards. But the reality is those cupboards, I would probably only be giving them two to three minutes, including wiping all candles. And if I missed, if they were cream cupboards and there was some white sauce, it is possible that I could miss it. Am I going to look as deeply right down at the bottom where something might have splashed up? I, I, I could be human and miss those splashes. And as a customer, if you were the customer, you'd probably be a little bit upset with that, Diane. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's where, you know, and I, you know, we, we've all been, I've been a customer of a cleaning service. So I, I kind of do know it from that point of view as well is we, you have to be clear on what level of clean do you want? And you have to be realistic. And I don't know about you, Louise, but I often hear, oh, well, can you not do the spare bedroom, but clean the oven or, <laughs> or some, and it's just like, they're not really comparable. <laughs> so it's realizing that actually, are you being reasonable in your expectations as to what can be achieved in the time that you've booked? Um, and the reality is in a two hours fortnightly clean in a two bed house, you're going to get a surface clean. Yeah. And how many times do we hear customers complain going, well, it's a surface level clean, but I wanted it, to, you know, I wanted better. I would do it better myself. And it's like, well, you know, what would you do differently? And then the customers struggle to tell us what they would do differently. Yes. Yeah. And you, the reality is that probably they don't spend two hours in one session trying to clean the whole house. They might spend a couple of hours in reality tidying up and cleaning the kitchen. And yeah. Yeah, we, we can't do that when we're doing a maintenance clean. We have to try and clean usually the whole house in that two hours. And the bathroom and the kitchen are always the dirtiest room. So they're always the main focus. But in reality, if you've got to spot properly clean every kitchen cupboard door and the tops of them and the drawers and the handles, and then you've got to clean the bin and clean the outside and inside, it's very time consuming. So maybe from a customer's point of view, it's you know realizing how much time these things take. And when you do say, can you do this instead of this? You've got to realize that there is perhaps always a time difference between the two things. And let's look at some other ones, light fittings. Okay, they get dusty. Okay, how often should you do a light fitting, or how often should a customer expect the cleaner to clean their light fitting? Well, again, it kind of depends what the expectation is from from well, what's been agreed, I suppose, between the client and the customer. Certainly, in our business, we have long reach things that we can give them a quick dust. But is that different from cleaning a light fitting, or are we just removing cobwebs? Oh, it could be sh almost chandeliers now, couldn't it? And, and they can take half an hour just to, and that's a basic one. And so this is where it's so difficult. And I know that I've been there with a customer and I have spent half an hour getting this chandelier that's bugged me for months, absolutely perfect. Now the 
the knock-on effect of that is the whole house got whipped around quickly and then the customer might say well I wasn't very happy I wasn't as satisfied with today's clean and when you respond well actually I deep cleaned your chandelier the customer at that point understands and is a lot happier so sometimes maybe as clean as we are not communicating well enough yeah, you're, you're probably right. And, and I think, you know, you, you were saying at the beginning, eight hours to do a deep clean of an empty property. So two hours for a, a property that's got ornaments in it, that's got pets in it, that's got all your worldly possessions, pictures and furniture that, that you have to work around. It's yeah, you're never going to get that level of clean. It's just not realistic. Okay, so this brings me on to the next question. So as cleaners, we have to alternate things, okay? So in an ideal world, we would do every skirting board every time. In the real world, customers have to make the choice between, you know, do I want to pay for my eight hour deep clean? No, I want to pay for a reasonable level of clean, um, but I don't want to spend the world. So we normally work out somewhere a balance of two, three hours, roughly that, but it still leaves the cleaners to be alternating things. So for example, you know, if you get every skirting board done every time, that's great. Are you going to get every piece of furniture moved out? Even in three hours on your on your um, in three hours, if I was doing a two bedroom house, I'm not going to pull out every furniture. I might not hoover around the edge of every single carpet every single time. We have to alternate things. And the hard point, I think, is that if the customer doesn't make the choice as to what we alternate and they often don't, then we have to make that choice. And that leaves us open to a lot of criticism. And and we, we find that a lot because, yeah, there's definitely there's always a compromise to be had, isn't it? And if it's the cleaner making the compromise on the client's behalf, if there's not agreement on what that good that compromise should be, that's where the problems start, aren't there? So, you know, we, we'll talk to clients about, you know, what is what is your, you know, is it light switches? Is it skirting boards? What is it that we can't compromise on? Um, because there has to be something in a two hour clean, particularly in this scenario. You can't do it all. We tend to focus on kitchens and bathrooms because they're the highest traffic rooms. So that will be where the bulk of that two hours will go. So what are we going to alternate? What are we going to do a sensible routine on? You're absolutely right. And you deep clean a room at a time, don't you? We we try to. So um, we, we try and work to a priority list of rooms rather than trying to get the whole house done. So if, if time is an issue, then we'll always focus on kitchen and bathroom first. And then it's... Sometimes the compromise is, well, we'll vacuum because that's really hard for the client to do, but we won't dust. Um, but you do have to negotiate. And learning to negotiate. Now, we both come from quite a business background. We both earn, earn our own decent sized uh, domestic cleaning companies. Um, so negotiation is quite normal to us. But it's awkward in our culture. People don't like to negotiate. And um, particularly as a cleaner, um, they don't like confrontation. They like making people happy. You know, if we look at your classic clean, they actually want to make people happy. They enjoy caring for people. They go into cleaning because they do it at home. They they love it. That is not the same skills as someone that likes negotiating. And they don't like confrontation very much. So actually negotiating with a customer and telling a customer that they're wrong and that they can't achieve what they've said they'll achieve in the time. Cleaners would rather walk away, wouldn't they? Yeah, it takes it does. It takes that bravery, doesn't it? Of that confidence of being able to say that. And like you said, a lot of people that come into the industry, they do. They want to look after people. They want to look after their clients. They want to do an amazing job and they don't like 
perhaps saying to the client, no, I can't do that in the time. You know, if you want a two hour fortnightly clean to maintain your home and you're not starting either with a deep clean or you're just not realistic in the expectations of what the jobs are rotate. Saying that to a client is tough. It's really tough. And and I've had customers and quotes where I've gone in and I've walked into their four bedroom house and I've gone, it's going to take four hours. And they're like, well, the last cleaner did it in two hours. And I'm like, your last cleaner quit. Your last cleaner stopped turning up. Last because, cleaner died of exhaustion. Yeah, or, or they're like, well, I wasn't quite happy with the quality she achieved. And I'm like, well, no, you wouldn't be. But she did an amazing job in that two hours. And they've ended up going with me, even though I'm charging them more. And even though I'm telling them it's four hours and I can see that their last cleaner was phenomenal. If their last cleaner had been given four hours, they would have wiped the floor with what we're achieving. But the last cleaner never told the customer what the issue was. Yeah. And the reality is the last cleaner was probably staying for three hours and getting paid for two. Possibly. And that happens. How many times do we have customers that come and go, well, my cleaner didn't stay the full time? Well, actually, unfortunately, 50% of the time that might happen. The other 50%, they're staying extra, not getting paid. And we never hear that from customers. Like, and this happens in my business. We overrun on some, we underrun on some. We are never pulled up when we did 10 minutes extra, but don't bill for it. But we do 10 minutes under and you are pulled up on it. And you go, you know, as a business, obviously that shouldn't happen. But this is the real world, isn't it? You know, this happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I think from a from a customer's perspective, it's important to kind of understand the service that you're buying and why you need it and what it's giving you as much as, you know, from the, the, the actual cleaner themselves understanding their job, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and this is where it's really clear. Setting expectations is really clear. So some people really like charging by the hour. Okay, And if you are billed per hour, then it should be really clear that person, if you're being billed for three hours, then they stay for three hours. If they leave 10 minutes early, well, either you would have expected them to have already done 10 minutes extra the time before or stay 10 minutes extra next time and maybe clean a window or whatever. Um, But what do you think from a customer's point of view about all inclusive job charges? Um, Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely part of the industry, isn't it, to do the all inclusive, at least the customer should know with an all-inclusive price that they are going to get everything on a certain list done. Um, Whereas on an hourly rate, you start at the top of the list and you stop when you get to your two-hour point, for instance. So yeah, an all-inclusive price can be really good for the customer, but it can also be unclear as to what you're actually getting for the all-inclusive price, can't it? And also it's an interesting one because if you think about it, what I know as a cleaner I can achieve in two hours, what other cleaners can achieve in three well, when I was cleaning. Um, so why would I then want to bill for two hours at the same rate as someone billing for three just because they're slow? They're earning more money. They're sweating less than I am. It doesn't seem fair. Why not be paid for my extra skills and ability by charging per job? So you can understand why cleaners go, well, no, it's much fairer if I'm charged per job. I'm achieving the same as them, but it takes me less time. Um, but customers don't always see it that way, do they? No, but they've also got the customers have also got to see it both ways, because actually a cleaner who's charging by the job has committed to be doing a certain amount of cleaning and houses aren't the same every time you visit. 
Um, so, you know, so it might be that, you know, a cleaner goes one week and actually it takes them four hours to do what would normally take them two. So, you know, you, there is a bit of give and take with the all in one price, isn't there, on both sides. And if you were hiring a cleaner, would you have a preference between charging per hour all in, or an all inclusive price? What would you want? Um, I think for me, I I would just want certain certain things done to a certain standard. And I actually wouldn't mind which price I was paying so long as I was getting what I wanted from it. Yeah, I think I agree with you. It's um, yeah, we just want the cleaning. We just want the problem solved, don't we? At the end of the day. Absolutely. Uh, and the question, the question, the big question, how much should I pay for a cleaner? <laughs> how much you pay for a cleaner well we know what a cleaner has to charge in order to be profitable but I suppose as a client you have to think about you know what is the clean giving you what's that worth to you okay so how what should they compare be comparing it to you know is it the rates in the area is it you know how much they would earn if they were working for those two three hours you know what what should they be basing this on well, I think the risk point, if you're basing it on what you earn for those two or three hours, is that if you're employed, that's not all that you earn because you get extra things on top of your wage, like holiday pay, et cetera, et cetera. So a self-employed cleaner is not going to be charging what you earn per hour. So you can't. I think that's a dangerous place to, to base it. But you have to look at what people are charging in your area um, and figure find the right person for you as well, don't you? Because the cheapest option is not always the best option um, and not just that they won't be a good cleaner either but actually they just might not be be long term because they will not charging enough to actually make it profitable for themselves so if we just look at a little bit of stats because we love doing numbers and actually it's really obvious to us what the numbers are because we talk about them day in day out but actually a lot of customers will have no idea what to even pay a customer customer a cleaner um, and and we see some quite skewed answers on social media pages. So I'm going to do just a little bit of a breakdown. You're going to help me here, Diane, hopefully. I'm prepared. Um, so minimum wage in April, it's £10.42. So at the time of recording this, minimum wage is £10.42. So uh, we're going to whack on about 12% holiday pay. Help me out here. So we're looking at it's going to be about twelve pounds by the time we've added on holiday pay, national insurance, everything else, bit of pension pension contribution. Um, so we're looking twelve pounds, twelve pounds fifty before they even start cleaning. Then, unfortunately, people need to be paid petrol to actually get to your house. So let's say it's two miles each way. Um, you're looking at about another pound an hour by the time you paid that. And they probably need to be paid traveling time. Yeah. So then you're going up to your £13.50 an hour. They're providing cleaning products. Now, obviously, they will be slightly cheaper because we buy them in bulk. But we've also got to buy vacuums at £400 a pop as well. All the cleaning cloths need to be washed. And that's not cheap now with water and electricity. We can easily add on probably in the region of £1.50 an hour for cleaning products. So we're now up to £15 an hour. And that's, we haven't even started cleaning yet. We're not being greedy. So it's 15 pounds an hour just to cover costs. Um, and that's minimum wage. Now you try getting a cleaner to work for minimum wage. It is like every industry across the UK, you know, it's hard, it's competitive. Cleaners don't want to work for minimum wage. They don't have to work for minimum wage. They're probably up near the 12 pounds an hour mark. So actually, you are probably looking at a minimum of sort of 17, 18 pounds an hour 
for a cleaner that is only earning, they'll only be taking away about £12 an hour if they were in an employed position. So that's quite a lot for some people might think that's quite a lot. I don't think it's quite a lot, but that's kind of your starting wage for taking on a self-employed cleaner, isn't it, Diane? It is. Yeah. And, you know, things have things have changed. You know, when when I first started my business 15 years ago, we were charging 15 pounds an hour. Um, and, you know, that was in order to build up a, a, a business that was going to work and that I could pay people a decent rate. But that's obviously over the years, it has to increase, doesn't it? And with minimum wage, what it is. And as you said, cleaners won't work for minimum wage. And why should they? It's a really hard physical job. They deserve to get paid more. So if your average cleaner is earning between 11 and 12 pound an hour employed, that's costing the business at least sort of 15, 16, 17 pound an hour. So in reality, as a client, if you're wanting to have a business clean your home and be a long term cleaner for your home, then you need to be looking at 18 pound, 20 pound an hour plus. And well, actually, you know, you listen to any of our podcasts, we're advocating a lot more than that for a business to be sustainable. And this is the reality. So you're looking at your 18 pound starting figure and that's really your solo cleaner. If a business wants to employ people, you're then looking at marketing, you're looking at overheads, uh, you know, you're looking at actually a manager so for example as a business if my staff are out cleaning and someone goes off sick well I need a manager to be able to step in and do that which means I've got to have someone available at short notice or me and then you're paying that person whether they're cleaning or not unfortunately that's how you have sustainability and reliability and you are then looking at it going up quite significantly more, aren't you? You're then looking at your sort of 22 to 25 pounds an hour by the time we start covering overheads. And then the dreaded VAT. Decent yeah. businesses grow fast. It doesn't take a business very much. You can hit VAT threshold in one small town just by having a small team of cleaners. And we have to charge you VAT. So by the time we're hitting 22, 25 pounds an hour plus VAT, you're looking at anything between 26 and 30 if you're looking at a business. And customers are horrified because two, three years ago, they were paying 12 and 15 pounds an hour. Yeah. And it shot up, hasn't it? It's absolutely rocketed in the last couple of years. Yeah, and everybody, everybody's costs have shot up as well, haven't they? I mean, minimum wage is going up in April by nearly 10%. That's a big jump. And as you've already said, you have to pay more than minimum wage. So you have to put up the, the your staff wages by even more than that. So, yeah, it's uh, the costs are escalating and so is the, the cost of the cleaner, but also client demand. So if you're a client listening to this, you know you're actually competing to get the right cleaners for your home because there is a shortage. Now, this is interesting. And I think I think customers sometimes forget this, unfortunately. We as cleaners, we are not just providing a quote to them. We're almost interviewing them because, you know, I mean, only a year ago, my waiting list had over 100 people on it and we could pick and choose which jobs we wanted. Unfortunately, that is still the case for good cleaners. They are still chock-a-block. And if a slot becomes available you almost have to be nice to the cleaner and people's biggest fear is losing good cleaners good cleaners are like gold dust yes, so so what could a customer do to secure the best cleaners 
Well, I think they just have to be able to um, be open and honest about their expectations. I think that's how you get and you keep a good cleaning service is by just having an open and honest communication with them as to what you expect. And, you know, then you then when they know what you expect, they can charge you accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than you the customer telling you, oh, you know, I'm really easy going. Oh, no, you just do a quick whip round. So you just go in there and you do a standard clean. They go, oh, oh, you've not cleaned this thing that I haven't cleaned in six years. And you go, what? what? <laughs> you wanted a quick whip round. And now you're complaining about something you have never done. Yeah. And I, you mentioned the four bedroom house and they said the last cleaner did it in two hours or tried to do it in two hours, which is just, we, as we know, is impossible. And and it is, it's, you know, sometimes it's the, the houses that need the most um, bringing back up to standard, shall we say, that can be the most challenging for a cleaning service if we don't get that deep clean to start with. If we get the deep clean to start with and then we've got enough time regularly. Great. But if you don't get that, you've really got to manage your customers' expectations over the first three or four visits when you're doing a slow deep clean and trying to get it up to standard in your two, three, four hours every visit. And when we say deep clean, now this is something I, I regularly sort of roll my eyes with customers a little bit with this because they go, oh, well, it doesn't really need a deep clean, but I suppose it would take you get longer to get to know my house. No, your house needs a deep clean. You have not done all your skirting boards at the same time. And you haven't done things to the standards that we need them to. Generally, as cleaners, I would rather take over from a customer's last cleaner that they're complaining about that didn't do it as well, because I know that a cleaner standards are far higher than a customer's individual standards. And unfortunately to the customer that house is their pride and joy and there is nothing worse than me going you need a double clean on your first clean which is really standard every clean should be a double clean and they go no 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 I'm completely on top of it and I'm like don't make me point out everything please don't do this to me and I'm okay with a bit of confrontation but you can see how cleaners go oh okay then and they take on this three hour clean they know it needs six hours the customer doesn't think it needs six hours and guess what they only get the kitchens and bathrooms done and the customer's like wow you're useless you're slow no you're unrealistic yeah and but it's, it's it is up to the cleaners to, to manage that as well isn't it because at the end of the day we're the ones that are experienced and sometimes a client you know you might not have had a cleaner before and you don't actually you think oh they're going to be faster than me so therefore they can do it in half the time I can do it in and that might be true once they brought it up to standard but if you haven't done it for a while realistically that it is you know the dirt is there and we're all often too polite to tell you Yes. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? Okay, so let's talk about the number one reason for getting rid of your cleaner or for no longer having your cleaner, because quite often the customers don't get rid of them. The the cleaners disappear. Reliability, I think, is the one of the big issues in the bit in the industry, isn't it? It's an issue if you're employing staff and it's an issue for customers, isn't it? Is that yeah the cleaner just stops coming or they start sort of disappearing you know for a couple of weeks at a time and then get back in touch it's yeah you just want somebody you know is going to clean the house on a Thursday every Thursday or whatever yeah and the customers get really annoyed they tidy their house because they do have to put quite a bit of effort in before the cleaners come which we appreciate love that um and they tidied their house on a Wednesday afternoon Wednesday evening they stayed up late to do it and then the cleaner cancelled on Thursday lunchtime and it's too late and they're like well, well you know my house is tidy what am I supposed to do now and first of all just be glad you've at least tidied up 
<laughs> but yes, it is frustrating. And you're right, you know, preparing the home for a clean is so important. Your cleaner will get a lot more done if they're not tidying or moving things, which is usually what a cleaner has to do. But yeah, that's one of the biggest issues is they don't turn up and sometimes don't communicate. So um, sorry from the industry that that happens to you. <laughs> OK, so why does it happen? Because we've done quite a bit of like looking into this. Why is reliability in this industry such a big problem? Well, I think it's because it's especially if you've got a solo cleaner. So if you've got one person doing your cleaning and something happens and they can't attend, you know, that they kind of can't help it because you've got one person to rely on. And companies kind of have similar issues because they have people that can't turn up for work and that sort of thing. So it's just generally um, an issue with being at a place at a certain time, isn't it, in the industry? So. I'm going to explain a little bit more about why they don't turn up. So inherently, if you look at the nature of, of cleaners and the kind of people that come into the cleaning industry, I know that a lot of us tend to be mums. So we might have a lot of other commitments and um, we've got a lot of dependence. You know, your partner might be the main because cleaning doesn't pay massively. Your partner might be the main, what's it called? Breadwinner. breadwinner. Um, so you're just bringing in a, a subsidiary income or um, you've got a lot of children. You're a, a solo, a single mum. Um, so whereas uh, the main breadwinner, the husband, may be perfectly reliable because when one of the four children goes off sick, he never has to take a day off. But guess what? You're not now looking at one person's sickness for that cleaner. They've got four dependents. So you're expecting probably five times the level of sickness of a normal person. And you know, that's the nature of people in this industry. They want flexible working. They are very good at cleaning these houses. They do it day in. They are very experienced. They're very practiced. But unfortunately, they are a little bit more. I want I don't want to call it unreliable because that's not fair on them. They are totally other commitments, bad. haven't they? That's the that's the biggest challenge. They have other commitments. And also, quite often, because of the culture in this country, people sometimes look down on cleaners. And for that reason, it is not a lot of people's aspiration to become a cleaner. So you tend to find that the people that become cleaners um, maybe haven't um, had the greatest success in education. And what you find is actually their children are having the same kind of experiences. And so not only are we looking at sicknesses, we are then looking at further problems around children having difficulties at school and they're being called in the school. There may be behavioral issues as well. Every little thing that happens, that cleaner has to deal with it. Um, or that mum, you know, we're not just cleaners, we're mums, we are people and we struggle. And it's really hard when you are the one struggling through those situations and you know you're reliable as a person, but your situation doesn't allow it. And, and that goes on an awful lot in this industry. Yeah. And you're right. What you said about, you know, the, the partner is usually the one in the main breadwinner. So, yeah, they would very rarely be the one to sacrifice a day's work in order to sort out an issue at home. So, yeah, if you're particularly if you're hiring a solo cleaner, but businesses obviously hire solo cleaners. So um, it's, it's rife throughout the industry, isn't it? And one of the things I always say to um, our customers, because one thing they always really want is they want the same cleaner. Now, that would be amazing. And I, I agree. If you can get the same cleaner every time, it is really, really good. 
Um, I mean, there's benefits to having others because we will have slightly different styles. But um, I always have to say, look, if I promised you the same cleaner every time, we'd miss 25 to 30 percent of your cleans. And that's no reflection on any individual. That is the statistics within the business, unfortunately. On a Wednesday at two o'clock, we are unfortunately going to miss 30% of those cleans between paid holidays, sickness, they happen to have that day off. There's not a lot we can do. Will they make up the hours over the week? Absolutely. That staff member will shuffle it around and we can manage that as a business, but we could not ever guarantee that level of um, reliability to the, to the customer. We have to be able to swap it. Yeah. And we, we have that conversation with, with new clients a lot. And it's, you know, in reality, you'll get to know three or four of the team. Um, and then it doesn't matter if somebody's on holiday or off sick or there's been a change, you know, you're going to have that consistency. And we also have good systems in place to make sure that even if it's a team member that's never been to your house before, they don't need to get to know your house. You know, not being funny, but a house is a house. <laughs> it's got bathrooms, it's got kitchens, it's got living rooms. We clean all the rooms in the same way. Yes, we might have to manoeuvre around different animals, different furniture and different ornaments, but a house is a house. So yes, but we have good notes made for each client to let the team know exactly what needs to be done in that house. And, and this is what I always find interesting. Customers are really scared, aren't they? Of what, we're gonna judge their house or we have to get to know their house. We don't judge your house. We do not think how you live in your house. We see a series of surfaces. All we see is sofa cushions need tidying, mantelpiece, we need to lift up all those things. We don't even look at pictures. Um, I mean, if we're there often enough, we will start to see the same pictures, but do you ever think about the people that live there? I, no, honest, no. I find it weird if I go in in the evening for any reason, I've got to go back and see them in the evening to pick up a key or something like that. And they're all sat there watching TV. And I'm like, oh, I forgot oh, you live, people in this live house. here. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just another house to me. And people will say, oh, you have to get to know my house. I'm like, look, can I be really honest? I will have cleaned 20 houses before I even walk back in your house. The likelihood of me remembering what I did last time is slim to none. So, you know, I'm sort of pretending like I know it and I do know it, but my memory's not that good. Yeah. And the reality is, like you say, our cleaning teams have seen so many kitchens, so many bathrooms. They've come across every different surface. You know, they're professionals. You know, this is this, people that work in this industry are a profession in that they know what to expect and they know how to do it. They really don't need to get to know your house. <laughs> yes. They'd rather that you just left them alone to do it. Like, yeah. They really would just get on with it. And um, a lot of customers go, well, I've got to be there. And I understand that from a trust point of view. But honestly, it's awkward for the customer. It is really awkward for the cleaner. And yes, you can build up rapport and have a chat. But most cleaners just want to get on with their jobs. They know that you don't judge them off the chat. You judge them off the quality of their cleans. So so just leave them to do it. <laughs> and actually, it's far nicer to come home to than it is to be amongst, isn't it? You, you, you yeah. go out, come home and the house is done. It's like like magic. <laughs> and, and cleaners, a question I always get asked is, can I be at home? And the answer is yes, but please stay in the room. Yeah, <laughs> just keep <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> okay, so the next one, what if there's a problem? What should a customer do? Because problems happen. But we're not going to call them problems. No. What should they be referred to and what should happen? 
Yeah, well, we we like constructive feedback. So, you know, we're always encouraging the feedback. And we obviously we love it when you tell us what an amazing job that we do. But we also love it when you actually tell us when we need to improve things and things that we need to change, because that gives us the, the the clues, if you like, in terms of what your expectations are. And then, you know, I mean, sometimes it might be that I'm sorry, but we can't do that. But a lot of the time it's OK, we'll add that to your notes or okay we'll get we'll catch that next time and we just start it's like we're learning about you as the weeks go on yeah and it's little things like oh my dog always sleeps on this step so it gets hairier and I need more attention on that and it's like oh, okay good tell yeah, me no problem. yeah or I had one where we always do floors in the same way and this customer had a slate floor it was really textured and it was like our vacuum our mop was just not getting it so the only way to get it is by hand on this really specific area and I was like I'm just tell me and we'll get it by hand um yeah yeah just if, if you've got a thing let us know if your bins are inside the kitchen cupboards tell us where they are <laughs> I we're not gonna go searching <laughs> oh I do I search I now know they're normally under the sink or in one of the thing islands next in the, if it's an island it's the drawers next to it but yeah um I mean with this is the thing we are so used to it now that um yeah, it's it's more awkward for them than us. We're if just... a cat can't come out of the utility room, please let us know. <laughs> um, so, but that's not always the case. So if they get a solo cleaner, you we're sat here almost laughing about problems because each one just gets dealt with one by one. And yes, some are more serious than others, but the reality is we know how to deal with it. There are processes, there are systems. We know we'll either, you know, deal with it, stop it happening again, give you a refund, prevent it, however we deal with it. But that is not the case for a one-man band all the time, is it? They often feel the emotions far more than we're saying it so any kind of criticism can be taken incredibly personally yeah and it makes it very awkward for the client um, to feel like they can give some constructive feedback so you know if a client gives us feedback and and we need to change something we then filter that to the cleaner um, because, you know, we know that they're going to feel differently about it to the feedback than we feel about it because it's very personal. They're the one that's delivered the service. And if there's any kind of negative negative feedback, they, they can get upset. So we filter it. But obviously, if you're using a solo cleaner and they can be amazing, if you want to give them feedback, maybe, you know, it's a little bit more awkward, isn't it? It is. And I know when I've had solo cleaners, you kind of go, well, could you do this a bit different? I did it. I did do it. And you're like, and even when I'm working with the team and I'll say, will you do that? I did it. And I'm going, well, come and look at it because you didn't do it. And obviously as their boss, you can do that. But when you've got someone who have already said there's so much demand for cleaners, you almost can't pee your cleaner off. Um, what do you do with your solo cleaner when you want to feed back to them, but you can't risk offending them? It's a hard situation, isn't it? It's really difficult. And obviously, you know, you, as a client, you're often out at work when the cleaner comes. So what's the best way to communicate? And, you know, oh. the, you can leave a note, you can send a text message and, you know, you never know quite how the written word is going to be interpreted. And yeah, it's it's difficult actually for clients to, to feedback. And, and you know, we, we talked on a previous pod, podcast about customer service in the industry. You know, it's, it can be difficult. 
And it's hard. And, and we often talk about this on our Facebook groups where we support cleaning business owners. And we will talk about quite specific situations, how they should handle it. And on one hand, they're quite angry at how the customer's spoken to them. On the other hand, we're going, well, actually, no, you need to give better customer service. You need to take what they're saying on board. And we almost have to coach them through accepting the feedback. Um, I say we, the community does, not just me and you. Um, but it's it's hard for both parties. And if if you can pick up the phone and speak, it's so much simpler. The biggest problems we see in this industry and the people that are upset or walk away or leave a client, it's because they've often misinterpreted what's being fed back to them. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can pick a, so if you want something specific done the next day, you can pick up the phone to your cleaner. Really looking forward to you coming tomorrow. I've tied it up ready for you. Would you mind picking up this on, on the clean tomorrow? You know, it's a much easier conversation than leaving a note that can be misinterpreted. Now, notes is an interesting one. I love notes. I really love and encourage notes. But notes cause problems throughout the industry. So for me, if a customer leaves a note, it's really good because they've told me exactly what's going to make them happy. That's great. We can normally sort them out. But you brought up quite a bit earlier, uh, leave off the spare room and do the oven. They leave that in a note. And we go, oh, no, what choice do I make? I can't do it, obviously. So do I leave off the spare room and have a wipe around the oven and then they're unhappy that it's not done properly? Do I go, I can't do it and do the spare room anyway? Notes are hard, aren't they, as a, as a main way of communication? Yeah, they are. But but we understand also from a client's point of view, you're rushing off to work and you're like, oh, leave a note for the cleaner. It's it's kind of normal, isn't it? So, um, yeah, it's but it's difficult. And from a cleaner's perspective, they are sometimes harder to receive but that doesn't mean that they're wrong. <laughs> no, so I would say, so I love notes, but what I would say is if if it was a choice of leaving a note, if you had a solo cleaner, so for, for a company, just leave a note because actually we're so used to it and can normally accommodate it. But if you had a solo cleaner and they didn't quite understand, I would potentially put it in an email or a WhatsApp because they're going to get the written word anyway. But if you do it like that, they can directly um, communicate and they can just clarify a point or go, I'm not sure that's going to happen today. And at least you know, rather than you come home, they've left, you've left a note, They've done whatever they've chosen to do. Do they write on the bottom of it what they're supposed to do? Or it's it's a really ambiguous communication style. Yeah. We actually, when we first started, we used to leave checklists as to what we'd done, but it just became it just felt like such a waste of paper in the end that we we actually stopped doing it just because it was so much printing out all these checklists. And it becomes it becomes a tick box exercise, doesn't it? People just tick, 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 tick. That's what I do every time. And it's like, yeah, that's not actually what you did. So. Yeah. So, yeah, it can be difficult. So I'm not sure whether we've helped the clients there. And <laughs> well, we've got one more thing to help them with. One more. OK. One more. OK. How do I find a good cleaner? Oh, OK. Well, the first place you should look is on the DCBM website, we have a find a cleaner page and all the people that are on there are DCBM members. And that means that they are trained, insured and safe to work in your home. So that would be your first starting point. My recommendation, 100 percent. And they're all over the UK, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, we cover all of the UK. So look on there. There's a lovely map and you just look in your area and, and pick all the ones that are in your area and contact them. Perfect. Where else could I find a good cleaner? Mm -hmm. um, ask for recommendations. 
I think that would, that, you know, that's one of, certainly in our business, that's one of the, the biggest ways we get business is from recommendations from happy clients. So yeah, ask at work, ask friends, ask family, neighbours um, who is doing their cleaning. Yep. And I would say 70% of ours come in from recommendations. Yeah. How else could I find a cleaner? Okay. You, you, if you have those little advertising magazines in your area, they're really good because you'll get local cleaners in there advertising. Um, so they're really useful. And people use Facebook groups a lot, don't they, as well? Your local Facebook groups. Mixed results. Yeah, mixed <laughs> results. Will you find an individual cleaner on Facebook? Yes, you will find one. What are you really getting? Who knows? It's then a case of, you know, look at the reviews, try your best. But we all know Facebook reviews can be a bit hit and missed. I mean, if they've got 100, it's a lot safer if they've got 10. Uh, Google reviews, it's, it's all review sites. It's hard. It's like any other tradesperson. You have to go for recommendations or come to us as the trade body to go, right, actually, these ones are checked out. So that's really the only two that we can say to to go off isn't it because it's so hard it is and what I wouldn't do is take on a cleaner because I've heard their story and feel sorry for them um that is a, a recipe for disaster I'm not saying it never works out uh but we've both heard there are plenty of horror stories like every other industry you know I would like it to be in some ways more regulated but that's not the reality and it is almost buyer beware but you've got to treat these people like gold dust and make sure they're insured (laughs) and make sure they're insured and again there's no reason for them not to be trained they should be able to show you a kosh training certificate if they're dcbm members or even had anything knowledge of us they will have some kind of training certificate that they will easily be able to show you at least on kosh manual handling and um, the safety basics you know ask them do they know what a safety data sheet is if they don't know what a safety data sheet is they're not really a good cleaner they don't they, they're just someone who has done some cleaning around the house a lot they must know the latest safety data yeah because they are using chemicals in your house so they need to know how to use them safely yes and they need to know what to do on all the different surfaces because you have so many different surfaces so hopefully that's all the messages that we would sort of commonly cover with customers I hope that explains a little bit more about our industry from our point of view and hopefully understanding it from a customer's point of view as well. Um, Yeah, good luck. If if any customers ever want to reach out to us to ask more, we're happy to talk about the cleaning industry all day long, aren't we? we? We know a lot. We've covered it a lot. And anything we don't know, we have such a big network of people that would help and support. Yep. Just contact us through our website, dcbn.org.uk. Perfect. Thank you, Diane. Uh, another lovely time having a chat with you. Uh, we're back to talking to cleaning business owners again next week, aren't we? Um, so please, if you enjoy this and you are a cleaning business owner, like and follow. If you're a cleaning business owner and would like customers to kind of maybe hear this point of view, feel free to share this podcast. Bye.